Here we go, guys. Wrapping out 2022. This is episode 36 for the year. It's the most episodes Noob Spirit Podcast has released in a single year since the start, eight years ago. Now, more than 200 episodes brought to you by patron legends who support the show on an episode-by-episode basis, as well as all of our major partners, particularly Adreno and Neptonics. Massive thanks to those guys. This is our last episode of the year, guys, so I've got Adam Stern back for a round three chat. We get into all sorts of freediving weirdness here. And then it's catch up with the Spiro kids in New Zealand. It's Max and uh, Ben and their dad, Don, and we get to hear all about what's been happening in their spearfishing journey. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. If you're here for the first time, though, the Noob Spiro podcast is interviews with spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world. Today, it's a couple of repeat guests. I hope you really enjoy it. Last episode of 2022. Let's get into it. I can't wait to get into today's episode, brought to you with proud partner, adreno.com.au. The Noob Spiro podcast has been partnering with adreno.com.au for more than 100 episodes, and these guys are awesome. They have uh, huge spearfishing mega stores all over the country. You can shop online or in store. Use the code NoobSpiro whenever you spend more than $200, and you will automatically save $20. That's right. Use the code NoobSpiro online or in store when you spend more than $200 and save 20 bucks. I love these guys. I remember the first time I brought a spear game at adreno.com.au down at the Wollongabba store and Adreno have been a huge part of the excitement that I have about spearfishing. Check them out at adreno.com.au use the code NoobSpiro to save. Neptonics was founded in 1996 making trigger mechs in a barn in the Santa Cruz mountains. Solid gear that works was their founding principle and it still rings true today in every pull of a Neptonics trigger, in every snap of a Neptonics band and in every whiz of a Neptonics spear gun reel singing with the power of another big fish. But a great deal, you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off anything and everything at Neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. Save 10% off any order at Neptonics.com when you use the code NOOB10. G'day Noob Spirit community, we're back with Adam Stern, the most popular man on the podcast. I think both of the episodes I've done with him are well up there in the top 10. It's fantastic to have your energy back, uh, Adam, I've got a list of questions for you. We haven't got super a lot amount of time, but welcome back to the show, buddy. Mate, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. It's always good to chat with you. Yeah, I have fun. I have fun. I, I have fun with our off-camera our, our off, uh, chats too. Yeah, yeah, they're all fun. you're a busy man though so you're harder to catch up with these days um it's yeah it's good to be able to reach out with you and jack up an interview at fairly short notice Mm. and um i picked short notice actually works better these days than planning because every now and again you're like shit i got some time and you're like i'll do something yeah if you actually look at the schedule it's like there's no time ever (laughs) <laughs> no, nah, you just and you've just got to make stuff happen, eh? Like it's just like 100%. I'll just move that and I'll move that and we'll do that and hopefully it'll yep. work. Um, you just got to make people unhappy. You know what I mean? You do. You know, like learning to say no. Like you just have to, otherwise you don't get anything done. Um, how many? Yeah. Oh, how many years does it take to learn how to actually say no? Because it took me forever. Man, I'm still shit at it. Like I yeah, always just want to please everyone and do everything and get everything done. And you. you Sooner or later, you have to go, this person gets priority, this person uh-huh. gets priority. I'm sorry, I like you, but you don't get priority. Like, otherwise, exactly. otherwise, like, you're just burning 
yourself and your family and everything else. So I get it. Yep. 100%. Um, and on that note, I picked some incredibly difficult and, uh, you know, like hairy questions to pick your brain on. So hopefully they're not too bad. Um, spearfishing, effects on physiology, specifically mm. brain and personality. What have, you, have you done much reading research into this area? Because there's, there's this speculation in the spearing world that some of the guys that dive deep and dive hard and they've been doing it for a while, it, it starts to affect their personality and um, can have all sorts of quirky effects on a person. What do you think? So obviously there's nothing concrete on this, right? Mm. There's, there's just speculation. Yeah, and I, yeah. think that, I, I think that for the most part, uh, what, what you see in, in uh, let, let's call them like deep spiros, right? Now deep, deep spiros are a, a very much a niche in spearfishing, right? Mm. It's like the extreme end of the spectrum. And what you see in any extreme end of the spectrum, in anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is... People finding this thing that they excel at or they, they learn to excel at and they, they throw themselves into a community of people that are also excelling at, excelling at. and because you can only you can only speed deep with a team, right? You can't I mean you can speed deep on your own, but I don't actually know anyone that really does it. But everyone that I know that spears deep, uh, things like that, you know, there's like a team of them. Mm. And so you find yourself in this tiny little niche community, and as you dive pun intended, deeper and deeper and deeper into that community, you find yourself disconnecting with the the, the rest of the bloody world. <laughs> and it's the same with free diving, you know what I mean? Like there was a time when honestly I just couldn't relate to people mm. very well who weren't competitive free divers. I'd be like, yeah. well, what do we have in common? Like you don't understand anything about my life. Like yeah. all I do is swim up and down a rope. What <laughs> could you possibly comprehend about my life? <laughs> <laughs> I hear what you're saying. So it's like, and there's almost another aspect to it. Like it's like because these this niche group of people may share a, a unique dynamic in terms of the way they uh, interface with the world around them. It may not be the the it might it might be correlation rather than causation as well. Because you, you yes. you're dealing with a, a a cultural aspect to it, and you're dealing with uh, outliers anyway, really in their own right. Definitely. I do think there is a causation factor as well. Um, I do think that that diving uh, for long periods of time or, or let's say when when diving and spearing make up a very large portion of your life, I do think that the, the lessons of diving and the lessons of spearing permeate the rest of your life and permeate, <laughs> permeate your personality, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're just looking you at a person like I was chatting with uh, Tim McDonald and Bryson Sheehy yeah. this morning, and I almost feel like they, you know, like you get into this competitive mindset, and you're looking at a person, and you're like, yeah, you're worth a hundred points, and then ten <laughs> points for every kilo. <laughs> you know, totally. like, yeah, yeah. Competitive yeah. people are are a very specific breed. Yeah. Um, and being a competitive person and spending the time to try to under, understand myself. Like man, the chips on the shoulders. Do you know what I mean? Like so, so much of it mm. is um, uh, trying to trying to validate yourself externally in life, right? Like you're, you're some, trying to validate yeah. yourself by uh, by by succeeding in one random, you know, <laughs> aspect. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes that can be a big part of it for sure. 
Some of it are just uh, that you've got the other group that are just obsessed, and they, yeah, you know, they they use competition to almost as a thing for themselves. But yeah, it, it would be interesting examining the your own motivations. But most of the people, like Bryson and Tim, they they are examining themselves. Mm-hmm. I think all the time as well. They're very uh, self reflective. I think I think to be able yeah. to compete at those levels, like they have had a real good look at themselves and the world around them and what they do. So. Very thoughtful people. And freediving's the same with the elite freedivers or are they all accountants? Very much. No, no, very much, very much. I mean, um, I think, uh, like, going back to what we were saying about, like, the core, like, you know, freediving and everything or diving, spearing, uh, permeating the rest of your life, like, like most of the main lessons with these things are just, like, things like um, uh, patience, things like... Um, uh, allowing things to happen in their time rather than muscling through things or pushing through things. Mm. I think uh, from my observation, I think the same thing exists in spearfishing as well. Mm. Um, I think the lessons are just as valuable. And I think uh, all of these lessons are possibly even more prominent in hunting. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you, you run after a fish, it runs away. You wait for it to come to you, it comes to you. Like mm. all these kinds of things. Mm. Have you read much on the physiological research and stuff that, pe- that, that people have done on deep divers and deep diving? Is, are, are there things that you can remember um, about what, what happens? I mean, I, I remember when they started to strap devices to freedivers and, and swimming pools and stuff, they started mm-hmm. to learn about what was happening. Like That's how we learned about blood shift and some of this, this oh, other stuff. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, I suppose, I suppose you've got two kind of categories, right? Like you've got, um, uh, like we, what you do describe as long-term adaptations and then short-term adaptations. And like a long-term adaptation is something that like, okay, your body is now changed mm. <laughs> for the long term. Yep. And, and then your short-term adaptations are things that, that change on the dive itself. Mm. Um, and there's huge, huge changes happen, happen to the body, uh, through, uh, just like, you know, long exposure to diving and short exposure to diving. But obviously the, the cool thing is, is that the more you dive and the more you train, the stronger your short-term adaptation is going to become. So the, the more your body will change, um, and move through a series of changes on each dive and each breath hold. I reckon what I should do with you is is, yeah. is create a list of questions to ask uh, a brain specialist to talk oh, about yeah. some of the the adaptations that could possibly be happening at a physi- physiological level. Because, like, I briefly studied psychology, and the entry level papers that you kind of do are all about um, the mechanics of the brain, rather than yeah. all of the other stuff, the environmental changes. You know, there's the, you know, and and so learning about how how vulnerable some of our systems are and what the environment can actually do to induce changes, it would be pretty interesting. I think I need to have another chat with you and just write down some good questions to ask. Yeah, 100%. Because, like, I really like the way you 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 went in and you you put yourself in that that big machine and then you you looked <laughs> at all of, and you broke down some of the the ideas about equalising. And it was mm-hmm. under in the light of day because everyone – has the stuff going on inside them? Everyone was kind of totally. guessing. And then what, what's that machine called that you jumped in and did that? Oh, it's just an MRI machine, but it's an MRI machine that was um, fast enough to take video. Because most of those time. machines can only just take like one image for every like however many seconds, but we got access to one that could like take an actual video, which was really cool. 
Yeah, that's sick. And you you tried out multiple different equalizing techniques under this MRI, and then yeah. sort of broke down some of the orthodoxy surrounding it. Um, but in well, the- that's exactly right because we we didn't we never really we never had a clear image of how these things were going inside. We were just looking from the outside yeah. and going, "Oh yeah, that's what I reckon." Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we chucked. I, I hopped in it. I chucked a whole bunch of other people in it, and we're like, "Hey, what we reckoned was not right." So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I think like the, the the awesome thing about like what what I'm most particularly like, interested in is when it comes to like the brain and and changes and things like that is that we are playing around with like a really sensitive and like archaic part of the brain, which is mm. the part of the brain which is 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 um, inducing you to breathe or wanting you to breathe. And I think that playing around with that part of the brain has really immediate and strong um, impacts on, on a person. Mm. And I would, I would love to look at, for example, what, what's really going on with people's hormone levels on, mm. a, on a breath hold and, and on a dive, how the central nervous system is being yeah. impacted by breath holds and by dives. I think there's so, there's so much there um, uh, that we have no idea about. And the, uh, I, I haven't actually read the research, but I was chatting to someone the other day who was talking about how um, uh different elements of breath hold actually are able to um, calm down the uh, the nervous system in different ways. Mm. It's like uh, if, for, for people who are experiencing anxiety or people mm. who are experiencing things like obsessive compulsive disorder, mm. that breath hold is actually able to like put like a dampener on their central nervous systems. Mm. Um, obviously like super early stages and, and it's, like, it's like research that's happening or research that people want to happen. So it is even researchers speculating, but, I just think there's actually so many applications for it in a person's life. And I think that anyone that has ever gone diving will instantly tell you, oh, second I get in the water, like I feel relaxed, I feel happy, the rest of the world disappears. (laughs) Yeah, I know for myself, like I've experienced significant massive levels of anxiety and underlying anxiety at certain times of my life. And I think part of it is this, this detachment from our I don't know if it's a male or a predominantly male thing, but it's like this this non-awareness of your actual emotional state and what you're carrying around with you. And breathing is a great way to sit with it and then slowly start to go, oh, that's yeah. what's going on. That's there and that's there. And like um, Tim Caverman talked massively about anxiety and, and, and spearfishing and how, how it had helped him. I think mm-hmm. – um, that's another part of it that we don't tend to think about a lot. But um, I've been reading um, Breathe by James Nestor, and I've got another breathwork book as well. And one of their massive things is talking about nasal breathing versus mouth breathing, and uh, whether you're sleeping or awake, but a lot of people mouth breathe, and that, that has dramatic effects on you. So, you know. You know, I, I, hear, I hear people say that a lot of people mouth breathe, but I'm, I, where are these mouth breathers? I don't see anyone doing it. You, you, <laughs> I don't know, like, there's certain things, like, you get this, I was chatting with this guy at the Bull Sharks the other night, and he was talking about how he's had a lot of the the stuff cauterized in his nose, and it's opened up his breathing, his nasal breathing, and I think a lot of people have just got this inflammation around that that back end of their nose, and it's just, they sort of, you know, they breathe like that, and I, I think I'm guilty of it at times, too, so it does tend to, I don't know, I don't know if people are being overly analytical with it or not, but... Well, you know, so, sometimes, sometimes you know, you, you, um, sometimes I feel like uh, marketing is all about 
um, creating a problem. In yeah. which, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, like, because like, I see so many bloody people, like, you know, like I, I go for a scroll on my social media and there's some bloke sitting on a beach going, you know, like everybody is breathing with their mouths and it's not right, man. Like you've got to breathe with your nose. I'm like, who? Show me a person breathing with their yeah. mouth. I can't see. I can't see anyone walking around with their mouth open. <laughs> but maybe yeah. I'm just not looking in the right place. One, <laughs> one, of, one of these books, like um, James Nestor ran this experiment with this other guy who's a journalist and they, um, they taped their nose shut so that they could only breathe through their mouth for three days. And yeah. um, they did uh, they did a full panel, like blood work, before and after, and there was a marked difference. So there is oh, something sure. to it. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's like I think there's always this skew, like this percentile skew. When you when you tend to do heavy cardio, you notice yourself breathing through your mouth. I'm more, It's more gasping for me, though, to be honest. Well, that that's when you you hit that point, right? You hit the point where you can you can handle handle everything. You're breathing through your nose, and then you're like, "Oh shit, shit's getting real now." And you're just like, <gasps> "Yeah." <laughs> well, mine's just mine's tends to be like a. <gasps> I start to sound like a train. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but people know know it when I run past them. That's for sure. If I'm running, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you doing to main? Are you like now? You're a family man. You're busy all the time. Yeah. You're working on the farm. Um, mm. What is your day in day out? Sort of just maintaining a, a good level of fitness for freediving and spearfishing. So, okay, one of the really cool things in with me these days is that I, if I want to maintain like a base level of uh, breath holding fitness mm. for for spearing and for everything that I do, I don't actually have to do anything mm. because there's so much long-term adaptation in my body. The second I go on the water, it's like, bang, everything just works. Um, I do have to remain fit so I don't develop my dad bod too much. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so so that, that that's just like, I just do like some like calisthenics out on my deck every morning. Oh, nice. Um, cause I live about maybe half an hour from the nearest gym. So there's no like going down the gym anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, I carry, I carry a lot of rocks on the farm. Yeah. I carry a lot of, uh, fencing around on the farm, lots of timber logs. Yeah. We just had, um, I got about 15 years worth of firewood that I've got to move from one bloody area to the woodshed. Yeah. So that, <laughs> physical work, but otherwise I, I do try to slide in a workout every day in the mornings usually. But as, as for, yeah, as for actually, um, dive fitness, I, I'm really finding I don't have to maintain it now. Now, obviously I'm not competing this year and I've just got to wait for the kids to get a little bit older before I start like dragging them around the world to be like, come watch daddy dive. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit hard to like explain jet lag to your one year old, um, you know, and then leave your two kids with your wife while you go off to dive. Right. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I did decide to take a few years off. Um, but the cool thing about the, about free diving and about diving in general is that, um, age doesn't seem to be a very uh, large impediment to a person getting good. So I'm 34 now, which means I've still got the next 20 odd years to keep training, keep diving and keep improving. Mm. Um, but yeah, so as far as like training for like specialized stuff that that's just out the window. So I'll have to build that foundation up again when I start again. Yeah. Cool. Um, I had a note here talking about uh, Spiros giving themselves shallow squeezes. Oh uh, yeah, are you still it. are you still hearing about it a lot? Is it Heaps. still? Yeah, right. 
Okay. Even more. Oh no. Is this <laughs> is this a, is this a YouTube phenomenon? Because a lot of spirits oh, are saying too many of us is like, uh, uh, like uh, too many of the younger guys because diving to twenty meters is not actually that difficult, 60 feet, no. 70 feet, but that is deep enough to start getting squeezes, particularly with awkward posture and hauling yep. fish out of caves and stuff like that. Yep. Um, that seems to be a common one. Um, and a lot of people were saying due to YouTube or social media, people watching experienced people dive down and do these sorts of things, they think they can replicate it. Um, what do you, What do you think? Well, they can replicate it, right? Like this is the thing is they, they can, you can actually replicate that with very little training and very little uh, experience. But you do then um, more or less put yourself uh, in, in – well, you, you basically make yourself subject – well, sorry, not wording this well. You, you place yourself in a <laughs> – you squeeze. You give yourself a squeeze. You know, you make it likely that you'll squeeze. Um yeah. Because uh, so so basically one of the, one of the things that happens in your body as you, as you're diving and it's interesting because I think a, a lot of free diving education used to teach that um, uh, the blood shift right like so you know like one of the one of the ways that the lungs handle pressure is that um, uh, blood plasma moves into the blood vessels in the lungs and engorges those blood vessels so that your your lungs can withstand the pressure and traditionally like like free diving education would talk about that this would happen once a person hit their residual volume, which is the volume that the lungs can't be compressed any further. So you hit that anywhere from like 30 to 40 meters. Mm. But the truth is that it happens from the beginning. Like the second you put your head underwater, you go down one meter and to some small extent, the blood shift is, is engaging and it's beginning. Mm. So, um, uh, but the thing about the blood shift is that it it's something that that uh, it's a part of the dive response or your mammalian dive response that takes time to develop. Mm. So, like a person who's been diving for a long time will have a stronger blood shift, mm. which means they can go to the same depth as someone else, but they have a, let's just say more cushioning around in their lungs. Mm. So, you know, I can dive down to twenty meters and do a fucking backflip and mm. twist around and there's no issue. But if it's your first time diving down to 20 meters or if it's your first 10 or 20 or 50 times diving down to 20 meters, you start twisting around, then you can quite easily rupture, especially one of those engorged blood vessels and you come up and you're coughing up blood. Um, and this is just happening more and more in spearing because, you know, you can, like, you know, like you can take a person who's never dived in their life and in two days or three days or whatever, you can get them diving reasonably comfortably down to 20 odd meters or 60 feet. But, but they, they don't have the, uh, they, they their bodies aren't capable of maneuvering, uh, you know, uh, possibly even carrying spear guns down to those depths, twisting at those depths, um, uh, fighting fish at those depths, all, all the things that you do, like when you're spearing, your body just isn't capable of doing it at that depth. And for, for you know, for quite some time, usually. I, I was going to say, like, it sounds like there's there's the physiological adaptation side of things, but then there's also the wisdom, and a oh, yeah. lot of a lot of older spiros um, that have kind of anti free diving. Um, they they say it's an unrelated discipline to spearfishing, and it has mm. no place in our community. And sometimes they have valid concerns, and this this is one of them because you can go into a yes. free diving course, you learn to you dive down on a, a rope in a controlled environment super under supervision to maybe you do 25 meters and your first 
Or maybe let's just say it's 20 metres on your first course, right? Then some of these guys go out and they try and do that in spearfishing and they lack that long-term physiological adaptation. They also lack the wisdom to be able to dive in decision-making ability that comes with time, which, you know, the older spear is their point of that gradual, slow and steady progression. Um, It's, you know, they have got a valid argument there. Definitely, but th- this is also why it's it's super important for any Spiro who takes a freediving course to take a freediving course with an instructor who is also a Spiro. The worst thing you can do is go and take a freediving course with a freediver who doesn't spear and has no understanding of spearfishing because mm-hmm. then they are very uncorrelated. But I kind of feel like people who say like, oh, you know, freediving and spearfishing are uncorrelated, it's kind of like saying, well, <laughs> you know, if you were going hunting, like bow hunting or yeah. shooting, you'd be like, well, you know, walking and going hunting are uncorrelated. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly it's right. It's the mode of travel to get there. And, <laughs> and, and, and while that concern is valid, um, it is partially, partially addressed by having someone that understands spearfishing teach to freediving course. But exactly. also, but also what, is, what is your solution? Like, uh, what training are you offering to the next generation? Like, some of them will take one-on-one, take people out. That's great. It doesn't scale, though. It doesn't address the hundreds of people that are coming through and learning or learning like I did in isolation, blind, bleeding the blind with my poor seasick mate Mike. Uh, You know, (laughs) where we, you know, I dragged Mike around while he's vomiting and uh, neither of us knew what we were doing, but we just had a crack. Um. So, yeah, like freediving courses at least teach people how to buddy up, how to rescue, basic physiology, basic techniques, at least you know what's going on in your body. And then you've just got to learn the wisdom side of it and how, yeah. it, and how, it, um, how it works in a spearfishing context. Totally. And, you know, it's, it's actually it's really not hard to, to, uh, to inject what we know in freediving into the spearfishing community. Like we, we did a thing uh, a year or two ago where I got um, – one person from just about every spearfishing club in New South Wales in Australia, which is a state in Australia, to uh, do like a cost price um, like program with me, where we you know got them up to their instructor level and then did, the, did an instructor course. Yeah. Um, so that information would filter then back through the clubs and and these people, most of them had no intention or interest in teaching, but now we've got a person in every spearfishing club around the state. Who who can be a point of information um, and a point of training for everyone in, in in their club? So it's it's really not hard to to take the good from freediving and to inject it into the spearfishing community. Um, I think we just probably need to see more people doing it because um, you know, like we just need, like because we need effectively we need to hit every part of the world with this kind of thing. A, lo- a lot of experienced spearers have that concern too, where the performance side of freediving makes it through. And you can see it with some Spiros, like, um, like I'm not having a shot at anyone, but I, I don't think we need to know your dive time and dive depth. Um, I hate it, bro. I hate it when someone whacks up this fish shot at this depth. I'm just like, oh, why? Why do you do yeah. this? Yeah, like if I shot up, I, I might start doing the opposite. I'm like, I was at 4.2 meters and 27 <laughs> seconds, you know, because like who cares? Like it doesn't it doesn't really matter. But there 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 are there's there's a type of spiro too that really think that you know the deeper and longer you're down too, it's like the, the there's more credibility to what you're doing. It's like well, I don't know. I'm I'm getting a feed for my friends and family and trying to have fun. That's pretty much. 
that's all the cred I need, I think. 100%, bro. Pretty much everyone I spearfish with um, dives shallower than me and gets a lot more fish than me. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I, I mean, we've got to have fun with it too, don't we? Like, far out. So many people are so serious. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't control um, uh, that aspect. I think that that element is a human thing. And you'll see it everywhere. I, I, you know, I think we, you, you'll find that stupidity in everything in life. Um, and there's, you know, you've got to let them do their thing, right? The, law, yeah. the laws of Darwin will prevail in the end. You know? <laughs> yeah, but we don't need any more. Like the problem with the, the Darwinian thing is like, you know, like in spearfishing it's very real, you know, like people, mm. people die, you know. The, the Darwin yeah. awards have no place in spearfishing. <laughs> Well, yeah, and and then it do, it does tend to backfire on the rest of us too. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, uh, we have less people getting into it. It seems more dangerous. It becomes harder to do it. Yeah. Uh, pools won't let you train in, you know, yeah. in the in their facilities and 100%. things like that. So no, it definitely does backfire on on all of us. But I think that maybe just I say, as a person who spent most of their adult life trying to like educate in freediving mm. I as time has gone on I've just let let go more and more and more of of uh wanting things to be a certain way of holding other people to expectations I might have for myself um but that might also just be something that's happened as I've had kids and, and haven't had time to pour as much of myself into it as well so yeah, who yeah. knows learn from the best Adam Stern's courses at freedivingfamily.com are written and presented by some of the world's best freedivers and most experienced instructors. Lessons learned come from years of freediving and teaching at the highest levels and are now condensed and available for everyone. Go to freedivingfamily.com, use the code SPIRO and you get 20% off any course. Now there's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel, Hands-Free Equalization, there's Mouthful and Deep Frenzel Equalization, even Bifinning Essentials. Get that finning technique right. It's the one percenters that make the difference in spearing and allow you to have more time on the bottom and you feel better even doing it. Go to freedivingfamily.com and use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Adam Stern's courses at freedivingfamily.com. I just love a functional and simple spear gun that I could trust when I pull the trigger. Killshot Spear Guns utilize the finest of kiln-dried Burmese teak. Killshot Spear Guns also combine American-made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust fish after fish. Get $30 off any Killshot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Uber. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. I'm really sorry for this terrible accent. Brought to you by Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. Are you following at Old Man Blue Dive on Instagram yet? Bert Calder, creator of the Old Man Blue Dive gear, is an absolute legend. They are people that froth on the spearing life and intentionally make super hard wearing and practical gear that will stand the test of time. Visit oldmanblue.com.au and check out a bunch of tough, robust equipment made by people that are just as passionate about spearing as you are. oldmanblue.com.au I had another question on the New Spear community. I didn't actually poll everyone for questions this time, but this was a question in the community. I feel like you're the right man to address it. He says, hello, this may be a bit of a silly question. I'm not sure. I am wondering if I need to do further breath hold training. I can quite comfortably dive one minute 30 to two minutes 
And from what I've heard on the podcast, it may not be too good to dive longer in terms of safety. I don't really have any spearfishing mentors that I could ask. Is there a benefit to increase my breath hold further if I'm already diving for as long as I would like to? Grateful for any insights. Yeah, I would say no. I would say there's absolutely no need. If you're diving, if you're doing dives of a minute 30 to two minutes, I can't really fathom that there'd be many many instances or many species that would require you to dive longer. Mm. And you should if if they're like your your dive time will actually increase naturally as you just keep diving. But I don't think a person who's at that level should spend their efforts and spend their time trying to train to have a longer bottom time or a longer breath hold. Mm. I think I think you've just I think you're you're where you need to be. You're where everyone wants to be. Some, sometimes too, <laughs> yeah. everyone just wants to hit that fast forward button. It's like you know, like mm. I'm a 30 foot diver with a flat out 45 second breath hold. And if that's you, then you've just got to learn to be effective in that window, and yes. then. Like you say, like you can learn some technique and stuff, but it'll be a slow and steady progression to improve, I think. Totally. And this is the issue is that like the the, the real answer to all these questions, because I get this a lot. I get a lot of people messaging me just saying, hey, like I can hold my breath this long and I can go down this deep. What have I got to do to get better? Or, like I really want to do this. What have I got to do? And like the, the answer that, pe- that, that you give people is just never the answer that they want because they want – Oh, you know, pinch your nose, throw some salt over your shoulder, tickle your underarm, and then you'll be able to do it. Whereas it's like, oh, well, you need to spend the next 12 months just slowly training and slowly improving and diving more and exposing yourself to more depth in a slow, controlled way. Ideally, with people around you who know what they're doing and can help guide the process and la-di-da, and they're like, oh, okay, well, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Is there there much going on uh, in the way of, research that you know of at the moment sorry back to physiology i'm a rapid subject change um is there much that you know of going on in the worlds of of research with regards to free diving and free dive training because like i've had full blood work done before Mm. and uh i've I've told a few people this before but my mean cell volume was on the low side my red blood cell count was on the low cell uh low low side um also sometimes anemic with iron and stuff and i know that when i get in the free dive in the free dive training in the swimming pool and or underwater hockey with co2 heavy stuff it has a real massive benefit on me and my blood work um but uh, is there anything you know of where they are actually formalizing oh, yeah. some of this research and yeah, stuff def- definitely so uh, so I'll, t- I'll tell you just just real real quickly that effectively um hypoxia will reduce the hemoglobin in your blood Okay. So, um, excessive breath holding uh, to the point, though, but very specifically, hypoxia, right, mm. will um, reduce hemoglobin in the blood. Hypercapnia, so being high in CO two, will actually increase hemoglobin production mm. in the blood. So when you when you get benefits to your blood work, especially from playing underwater hockey, um, it's because you're doing CO two heavy dives breath holes and training all the time um if you and this is the interesting thing in competitive freediving is that um if you talk to a diver at the beginning of a season at the end of the season at the beginning of a season it's mostly co2 work and then towards the end it's just like boom big hypoxic um efforts and their blood count will always go down towards the end of the season um uh, it's actually really interesting as well uh it, it, is that um uh, even breathing um Breathing uh, like medical oxygen, like 100% O2, will also decrease your um, 
your hemoglobin levels in the blood. Yeah. Um, and I just I just mentioned that because a lot of free divers after their deep dives will breathe O2 um, as a sort of countermeasure for decompression illness, but that also makes them more anemic. (laughs) But like you can actually increase hemoglobin production through hypercapnic training, through uh, CO2 training. Okay. Um, and there's, there's research going on on into this all the time. There's a, I actually, I'm not, I can't, I can't tell you who gave me this information or where it came from, but um, I can tell you that a very high level athlete in a sport completely uncorrelated to freediving decided to get into freediving in a really intense way. They're retired from their previous sport and they're just the kind of person who's just into this kind of thing, right? And <clears throat> they had access to every resource imaginable, like every resource imaginable. And he was like, I want to see what the human body can do with all the drugs that we have. And they explored doping to its fullest extent. Blood doping. And this person, sorry? Blood doping? Like predominantly like taking out? Everything. Okay. Everything. And this person went um, from like just beginning to doing like 10-minute breath holds where they were moving in a tank you know, within, within the space of nine months, it was astounding, like, um, really phenomenal stuff. Um, now once again, there's not like, they, and there was a whole bunch of research that they were doing, but there's not, there's not papers being written in these instances. There's just researchers trying cool shit. Um, <laughs> self experimenters rather than like clinical yeah. double blind studies and all the rest of it. That's exactly right. So it's people being like, oh, well, when you do this, this Mm. is the result. Not like, oh, we tried this thing and this is the specific thing that happened with the physiology in the body. So we're still not getting those things. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, (laughs) I don't even know where I was going with that. It was just super interesting Yeah, it's interesting. Like I think self-experimenting is good. Like the problem with, I mean, the medical system, and I listened to an episode on Joe Rogan, is getting Mm. full blood counts done, unless you've got a legit reason, um, the doctors aren't that keen on it. And because of like, you know, our insulin response and, you know, not having any sort of consistent parameters around, you know, your fasting time and all this sort of shit and your Mm. hydration levels, like I don't know that, the, of the actual efficacy or the or the utility of the numbers that you get from full blood work, but I mean I had it done at a set period of time, and uh, I'm thinking about going back and doing it. I'm looking at these numbers; they're from seven years ago, so oh. everything's shifted there. Like I'm coming up yeah. 41, and um, the human body is really interesting. I think we still don't know jack about so big much. parts of it. So much, and yeah. and so much of it's anecdotal, bro science, and. Um, that's right, and 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 it's just it's just like what you said, like uh, you know, like for example, you've got this this data collected on your own blood levels, mm. but to have anything concrete, you'd have to do it with a whole bunch of people, and they'd have to be all different age levels, and they'd have to be eating the exact same things yeah. at the exact same times, you'd be taking the same blood work, the same time, and the same hydration levels, and this and that, and then balancing it all out. But like we go and we're like, oh, you know, I got my bloods done. It looked at because I've had my bloods done at intervals. And looked at it and been like, oh, fuck, like, that doesn't look right. Um, or that's not what I expected. Um, and who the hell knows if something was if, – if what I thought was going on in my body was going on or if I just, you know, got my blood done after a certain meal or before a certain meal or whatever. Do Too you, many variables. Got to cut the variables out. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, you know, O2 and CO2 training, um, how do you think it, it correlates to general well-being? Well, you know, I think that um, – 
like there, I think there there are a lot of health benefits or just general well-being benefits to doing basic breath holding training, right? Some basic CO2 training, basic O2 training. I think there are greater benefits to doing this training dynamic, like, in, like doing this training with movement rather than doing it with static as far as like benefits to the body. Um, in saying that, uh, like if you spend the time to just lay in bed and do some some breath holding training and some breath holding tables. I think there's actually um, the most of the benefit is the relationship that you build with your body, um, uh, the relationship you build with breathing, the relationship you build with your breath, the sensations that you feel in the body. Learning how to categorize different sensations in the body, place them in in an appropriate sort of category. Like, okay, well, that's me having a nose to breathe. Um, is it making me panic? No. Okay, well, we'll keep going. Oh, well, now the urge to breathe is making me panic. Let's stop. <laughs> um, the really involved, deep relationship you build with your body is, is I really think, something that, for, for me at least, taught me how to have a relationship with the rest of my body. Um, my, my relationship with breath holding has developed into a, uh, like building a deeper awareness with my entire body. Um, in so many different, so many different ways, my muscles, my bloody, all feelings and sensations everywhere. When I was younger, I used to spend a lot of time building a relationship with my body, but it was probably not. <laughs> it was probably not an appropriate relationship. No, let's be honest. Trent, you've got, you've got, you've uh, got a bunch of kids. I'm sure you still have a great relationship with your. Body. <laughs> <laughs> but you get older, bro, and the libido starts to fade a wee bit. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, now nah, building a relationship with your body. It's, I'm hearing you. I, when I did um, I did a lot of Headspace, the app, mm. and that mm. sort of started. To, I started to become aware of some of the stuff because I don't know. I was just so disconnected, like with with with, with some of the stuff, like just not even aware of my own underlying emotional state, levels of yeah. anxiety, but also like even just having an awareness of pain and 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 how well how well functioning my body is and as i'm getting older and start, sometimes some days you just don't feel that great and i think gee because i need to i need to do something about this so yeah i think i think it's actually something that's really understated mm. um is is i mean like well i mean i mean i know we talk about it a, a lot these days but um like just general mindfulness is is i think the effects of mindfulness like the effects of working out are not really present until you do it for a while. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you go to the gym and, you know, you, you go and bench for it, press a little bit. And if you look in the mirror, you can look the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. All right. After a few months go by of doing it, you're like, well, there's actually a huge change in my body and a huge uh, benefit to doing this. I think that it's the same thing for mindfulness. I think people, don't sit with it long enough. They go and they do a, a bit of mindful, mindfulness or a bit of breathing this or a bit of breathing that. And then after a week, they're like, oh, well, I don't feel like a new fucking person. So what am I even doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Headspace had this, they had this introductory thing. It was like 10 days. And um, even after 10 days, I started to get an inkling of what I was in for. I think like there's that, there's that old premise. It takes 40 days to build a habit too. So yeah. I think, um, yeah, just having the patience to stick with something long enough to actually start to get some of the benefits is uh, underrated. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, 
Mate, awesome, awesome to catch up with you, Adam. Um, we, yeah. we are going to have to head off very shortly, but you're always welcome on the podcast, buddy. And um, I know people have been enjoying some of your online courses. People can check them out at Freediving Family. And we had a Spiro code set up for them too, didn't we? We did, but you know, we I, maybe I should have told you, told you this. We changed the website to freedivingmanual.com. Um, well, it's and still, this is how awesome I am. I didn't even let you know. I'm still sending people to Freediving Family. It still goes there, I think. Oops. <laughs> yeah, it still sends people there. I'm going there right now. No, it's only because it's in your cookies. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So we changed. Freediving Family was the, is our main website where we do all of our freediving courses and la-di-da. Okay. And then Freediving Manual is where the actual manual is. Oh, so if you go to Freediving Family and then you click on uh, oh, okay, online freediving courses, it redirects you. Yeah. You can still do that. Okay. But I might need to send you some new linky linky things. Yeah. So freedivingmanual.com and then oh yeah, here it is. I'm I'm on freedivingmanual.com right now. I'm looking at uh level one freediving, level two. The ones I think that have got massive things, because so many Spiros, actually people in general, like when I started to teach courses, I learned like one in three people actually have often have equalizing issues. Yes. So oh yes. There's you've got you've got friends or advanced friends or enhanced free equalization. That's a cracker i think um give yep. people a good baseline with the people that are like natural feet down equalizers um yep. what's your best best recommendation for diys again just run me through it quickly and i can't quite remember yes yeah, so, so pretty, pretty much the the like the, the the whole world freediving community has tried to solve this problem mm. and the only real solution that anyone has ever developed was that the the fastest and best way to get a feet first equalizer to be able to equalize head first mm. is to actually get them diving feet first so what i i um I don't know if we have time for me to do the whole explanation of it but in, in short mm. um diving feet first will will uh keep the this diver's um mouth in a position in like the correct position we um and we need to do it long enough for them to develop like a new muscle memory or a new habit so ideally it takes between three to five days of wow. of diving it's best if it's consecutive to of just diving feet first up and down a line so like when we get these people to come along we just say here here's your rope spend the next few days going up and down this rope feet first go as deep as you bloody like we have people going down like 30 40 50 meters feet first wow um and then after that you flip and then you, what you'll notice is that um, then you'll start to be able to equalize at like shallower angles and then those angles get steeper and steeper and steeper until you can equalize vertical. But it's pretty much the only way to get around it. Dive feet first. Feet first divers, dive feet first and then flip. So the, the free diving retreats are probably still a good place to do that because you're getting sustained time in the water, aren't you? Well, that's why we do them. That's why like we really only offer like freediving courses that run over a, a week's period of time. That's what deep week just sort of like, um, uh, it's one of the reasons why we created that format was because it, it's really hard to get someone to come along to a two day course mm. and to really have a big impact on their diving. It's usually just enough time to like, here's some new skills. Let's have a crack at going deeper. Congrats. Thanks for coming. See you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So for, People that want to check out any of Adam's stuff, go to freedivingfamily.com or go to freedivingmanual.com for some of these online courses. You can pump in the code SPIRO, S-P-E-A-R-O. I think you get 20% off. Oh, you so, sure um, do. If you've got equalizing dramas too or you want to up your game, maybe you're starting to hit a bit deeper, there's a mouthful course there as well. Um, that's That was where I got to when I started to do my instructors, really yeah. starting to 
get out of that terrible reverse pack Spiro habit of just um, you know, the, the groper call or whatever the hell it was I was doing. Oh, and- but you can you can reverse pack all the way down to whatever depth too. You know, there's nothing wrong with reverse packing and friendsling real deep. It's it's uncomfortable though. I think it, and it's a, it's not an economical use of your muscles, and it's almost like a it starts to make I get like this anxious feeling when I do it. Whereas when I do the mouth fill, it feels more controlled and organised, and my body's like not panicking yes. as much. What happens when you're reverse packing uh, deeper and deeper is that you can you can it, what it usually causes a person's upper chest and the base of their throat to tense up, um, which will trigger their anxiety and at the same time make it harder for the air to pass from their lungs into their mouth. Yeah. So, yeah. but if you can address that problem through more relaxation and being aware of it, then that does go away. But um, yeah, definitely that happens. Awesome, Adam. Great to catch up with you, mate. And uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast again. Mate, pleasure. Pleasure. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed Adam there. Uh, as usual, an absolute character. And uh, despite some audio and tech issues, um, as per normal, maybe with the News Pro podcast, it was really good to catch up with him. Let's, um, let's get into it with Max, Ben, and their dad, Don. The Spiro Kids NZ, follow along on Facebook. These guys are super cool. Young frothers, absolutely living the lifestyle. Here we go. Have you got issues with your EQ game? Let's just do a quick little exercise. Put one hand on your chest and do an equalize. Just do it right now. Did your chest move when you equalized? If it did, bad news friend, you are using Valsalva. You need to go to Ted Hardy's Roadmap to Frenzel course and learn how to frenzel. Now, quite often if you've come from a scuba background, you will be using Valsalva. This is what you're taught. And uh, when you've got a tank on your back, it's pretty effective. But when you are head down, bum up in the world of free dive spearfishing, you need to learn frenzel technique. It will get you down and past 30 foot and equalizing with ease. To learn this frenzel technique, go to noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Check out the Roadmap to Frenzel class he will get you frenzel equalizing within a matter of days. Check it out. It's a simple, easy to follow course, noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Jeremy Gamble from Spearing Magazine, the world's greatest spearfishing publication, says, anytime I hear anyone complaining about the ears, I always say the same thing. Talk to Ted. He's known throughout the industry as the guy that can fix people's struggling with clearing issues. There's no one out there that knows more about equalizing and teaching people to equalize than Ted. Check it out again at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Noobus, good news. Did you know that every pair of penetrator fins receives a protective layer of Kevlar 49 multi-axial reinforcement? Do you even know what that means? It means that it prevents chips and cracking. It means you're going to get longevity out of your fins. And that's exactly what you need when you're spending some dollars on some good fins. Visit penetratorfins.com. Get yourself a pair of reinforced super tough fins with beyond industry warranty at penetratorfins.com. Use the code NoobSpero to save $25 on any pair of penetrator blades that's right use the code noobspero to save $25 on any pair of blades at penetratorfins.com got a sweet deal for you today guys go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines there's frenzel, advanced frenzel and hands free equalisation, mouthful deep frenzel equalisation, bifinning essentials these are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve 
Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. What do you got, Max, Ben and Don on the line? How are you, boys? Are here. I've got to do a catch-up with you. You've been on some adventures, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we do. All right, what's been happening? Well, I've been doing quite a lot of comps and just quite a bit of spearing since we last talked here. Yeah, your last time it was Spiro Kids, and uh, you you boys are down the South Island, and uh, your voice has changed already. Is that Ben? Oh, yeah, it is. All right, cool. So last time I chatted with you, Ben, how old were you? Uh Maybe 10 or 11? Yeah, I think I was about 12 or 11. Okay, and how old are you now? Oh, 15. <laughs> awesome, mate. Well, um, my oldest is about your age too. So what do you? What, what sort of mischief have you been getting into in the comps? Well, last year went up to North Island, got first kingy, which was pretty nice. Oh, yeah? Whereabouts did you go for a kingy? Oh, uh, yeah, the moat. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. The hen and chicks, the the Mokahina Islands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, who'd you get off there with? Oh, Darren Shields. Oh, yeah, man. Spoiled. Yeah, it was mean. All right. So what what happened? Did you have to get, dive deep or did they come up to you? Or what no, was the, 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 there was fish everywhere that day. That was a really good spot. Yeah. There was just Kahiru and Pink Mau Mau were even up. Yeah, and there's just kingfish swirling everywhere, just all oh, okay. around the rock where we're at. Big, big sharks are swirling around too, young. Oh yeah, the bronzies, the bronzies were in there. Yeah, did that was that your guys' first experience with some active sharks? Yeah, it was with the well, with the big one. Yeah. Wow, wow. Jeez. That was uh, quite a good day. How, how many how many new species did you get that day, Max? I don't know. About like. Six or seven. Six reckon? or seven species, Max. Jeepers, that's a good day out, mate. Yeah. And yeah, no, he had, a, he had a good bag of all the different fish to try. It was, it was awesome. Six. So kingies were on, and as well as the rest of the North Island species as well. And and I hear you guys have got a freezer full of coral trout. Is that right? Yeah, we do. And uh, Dad went over not so long ago on uh, Darren's reef trip. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he got a lot of cold trout for us to have. It'll last us quite a wee while. Um, the, the, boys, uh, the boys went over about two weeks before I did with off for a holiday. Okay. And um, they uh, ran amok on a, uh, a snorkeling trip out of, out of Cairns. Oh, yep, yep. Did you get some spearing in? No. Oh, no. oh bugger. What did you yeah, it was a bug. It was, it was good, really good viz. It was the best viz I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And warm water too. I bet you're diving pretty good. Yeah, it was like bath water. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, um, it's a different experience when you don't have a big thick wetsuit on and you can see for a while, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, well. So what else you guys been up to? Comp diving, you said. Yeah. Have you had a couple of good finishes or what? what's the story there? Um, thanks. Last year, I won the South Island Champs for Juniors. Oh, man. Well done. Well done. Is that you, Max? Yeah. Yeah? And uh, what is that the under, what's the, what's the age group there? I think under 16. Oh, yeah? Oh, far out. 
Did you beat your brother? Yeah. <laughs> the um, the the boys are sort of um, uh, going in as their own team. Oh yeah, nice, nice. Um, so rather than sort of a, a, a father son or a you know mother son or daughter or whatever sort of team, they're um, they sort of hooked up into their own team. And, oh nice. Uh, I just sort of follow them around a distance and uh, sort of keep away, otherwise they get yelled at because I'm uh, scaring their fish away. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe drive the boat too if, if, if you're allowed. Yeah. Um, last time we had a uh, – I want to tell Trick about the uh, the float line. It was a bit short, wasn't it, Ben? Uh, yeah, well, we had a quite a short float line and me and Max were – Swimming around, we were kind of sharing one of the guns, okay. and uh, at one point, uh, I had one of the guns, and Max decided it was his turn. And the <laughs> float line was probably out of the water. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I at, at one point I actually had to grab the float and push it down after Ben. Oh, he yeah. was going down ten meters. Oh wow! So here I am sitting on the uh, on the. Uh, Float boat trying to get it a wee bit further so he can have a shot at a at a cod. But yeah. Oh wow! So you boys are doing diving pretty well then, by the sounds of it. How's the teamwork? Because Ben, I remember when I was younger, I used to play um, C grade tennis with my youngest brother Joash, and we would end up smashing the ball at each other because we were always angry. How, how about you and Max? Do you guys get angry with each other when you're spearing together, or are you you get on pretty well? Uh uh, if it's just me and Max diving, it can get a wee bit annoying at some stages, I guess. Yeah, yeah. What, one of you wants to go uh, in one direction, one of you wants to go in another? Yeah, kind of like that, or it's mainly when you, if you're the person without the gun, you're probably the most annoyed. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. But it's, it's, it's it can be quite rewarding supporting someone as well when they get a fish as well. Have you found that as well? <laughs> yeah, it's good to help, I guess. We're still learning and we help each other for just all the learning experience at the moment, I guess. Yeah, man. What about you, Max? How's it diving with your big brother? Have you have you punched him in the water? Uh, tried to. <laughs> it's, it's always good when your brother, I guess, a couple of, couple of fins in your face as he goes to duck dive. Yeah. <laughs> what did you get at the last chance? Uh, I got butterfish, moki, and kawa as well. Oh, nice. That's a good bag. Were you happy with it? I, I saw I almost shot a blanket octopus. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, one of the one of the rare, rare, rarest creatures oh. in the world. <laughs> and Max, uh, Max uh, says, comes up to me and he says, "Is that a squid?" As the spear gun pointed at it. Yeah, yeah. Are so they? we uh, got some good footage of that. There's a lot of lot of people have been watching that video of the blanket octopus and uh, a lot of scientists and stuff. Yeah, right. Eh? What did they say? Oh, there's, there's, there's only been about three or four people that have seen it. Yeah. They're yeah. they a crazy-looking animal, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Now, apparently, a few years ago, Darren Shields saw one up north yep. that was getting um, smashed by a seal, and it actually cut the blanket off as a 
decoy and then sort of swam away, you know. Oh, far out. Did you guys watch My Octopus Teacher? Oh, yeah. What did you think of that? Yeah, it's pretty pretty good. Yeah, yeah. they still taste good though, don't they? Even though you like them. (laughs) You You guys eat them? No, not really, no. Ah. I, I think if you cook them properly, mm. um, have you got any? You have to get some recipes out of that book of yours. Have they got any octopus yeah, ones? Yeah, there? there's a few good octopus ones in there, and the 99 spare recipes. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple. I think of, if you cook them right, they'll be perfect. Yeah, a lot of people say you got to you got to freeze them first, eh? That sort of does a lot of the tenderizing process, and then uh, <coughs> some people beat them on the rocks or you know different things like that. I think um, I think freezing it is probably the best go. And then, because uh, they, they, I think their their flesh takes a little while to go through rigor mortis. I don't know if you could dry age octopus and then it would tenderize by itself. That's an actually an interesting question. I'm gonna have to try that out. Yeah, yeah, the octopus are they're quite nice in the water to look at. I guess that um, dad's been attacked by them a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One like they love bloody taking stuff off you, like equipment and that. Yeah, yeah they. They give me a cray pops and stuff, but it's a Yeah, 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 true that. Uh, I, I quite like eating them, but again, like um, I was a bit spoiled when I was in Spain. We had them, uh, I think they call them pulpo over there, and they the Spanish know how to cook them up. Uh, I think all the Mediterranean divers are pretty good with them, the Greeks as well. So we've got to borrow some of their recipes. Mm. Yeah. So what about, what? what's next for you boys? You guys, you're pumping out YouTube videos now. What's the story with that? Uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we are doing a wee bit of videos. We try to get some footage each dive we do. Okay. And how's the, how's the YouTube journey going? Are you, are you telling stories about your dives? Are you teaching people how you hunt different species or are you just sharing the, the excitement? What's your sort of angle with your videos? Yeah. YouTube things are, it's probably the trickiest thing out of all, Mm. I, I think. Mm. You know, it's um, it's you got to get people's interest, and and it's hard to judge what people actually want to see sometimes. You know, yeah. Plus, um, a lot of our diving, the vis is pretty bad, isn't it? So it's um, what what um, clarity. What editing mm. software are you guys using? I was using that S. Is it S the DC one? Or okay. I, think, I can't remember. But there's another one we're using at the moment I've just put on as a movie pad, which is sort of a bit suited for, but better for beginners, I think. Okay. Is that, are you doing that on the iPad or something or on a tablet? uh, We're just doing, no, we're just doing that on the computer. Okay. I I did have that DaVinci Resolve, but um, um, it's uh, pretty seriously complicated, eh? Takes a while to get your head around, yeah. I was thinking about doing a tutorial because I sort of, I must have spent about 12 hours watching YouTube videos trying to figure it out, and I think I've got a, a very good basic understanding of it. But that's all. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm not very good with it. I, I can I can just use it. But, um, yeah, it can be a bit tricky. But um, I think if you invest a bit of time and learn how to use one, once you sort of know how to use one of the more advanced editing software, then you can use the other ones as well. You've just kind of got to be able to change yeah. a bit. But, um. Yeah. But the boys doing most of the diving themselves now. Yeah. Instead of, uh, hopefully, it'd be a bit easier to actually get some good footage rather than sort of, you know, 
carry a spear gun at the same time and, and stuff. So we're, oh, we're so you are, are you going to film Max? Ah, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Don. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you yeah. have you got yourself a tray? There's a thing that you can make yourself called a tray mount, and it's basically got right. two handles, and then the GoPro oh, kind of yeah. mounts in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've basically made one out of um, alloy. Yeah, and, might, nice. Uh, um, and yeah, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. I was using a head mounted one, but uh, I spent a bit of time with the sort of head out of the water, sort of looking and seeing where everybody is, and you get that sort of water splashing, sort of you know. Yep. Yeah, sloppiness in the water. So, well, that that, um, that droplets on the lens too. You can avoid a little bit of that by actually licking the lens too, and then um, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. They tell me that, uh, um, and, and going back to my old racing days on motorbikes, the uh, that pledge furniture polish on the lens as well. Oh, okay. That, oh, yeah, that looks yeah. fantastic. Anything with water. Oh, okay, interesting. But they've got a, got a couple of comps coming up. So what you, comps you got coming up, Matt? Uh, South Island champ. Okay. Looking forward to that. Who 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 are your main competitors in the juniors, boys? I don't really know them. Other other juniors. <coughs> yeah. Oh, you don't you don't know who the other main the main guys are? Yeah, I think um one of uh, Dwayne Herbert's boys is he's pretty pretty good. He's a bit of a a force to be reckoned with. Okay. And um, um but uh, yeah, some of the people are. And the comps are really coming along, mm. like uh, the young girl Alex Edwards. Yeah, yeah, she. I've got to get her on the Man, podcast. She, she's she's going to, uh, yeah, you know, throw her in a New Zealand team and uh, look out. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That'd be that'll be um that'll be awesome to see a, a a Kiwi lady in the in the in the top of the the world rankings. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. There's a number of there's a number of good Kiwi uh, Kiwi girl Spiros. I mean, Kiwi Spiros in general are getting pretty good at competing on the world stage against even the Europeans in their in their home grounds. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Where do I, you boys want to go with comps? What do you like about comps, and uh, what why do you want to keep doing them? Uh, it's just um, mainly because you can meet other lots of other Spiros and just be in the world. Other spheres and lots of places with all the different pumps. Quite a lot of the places we've been to, we've never dived before, and they're just really nice bits of water to be on. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Ah, cool. So, where where can people find your guys' YouTube channel? Are you guys still on social media? What's the story there? Yeah, we're on YouTube and Facebook on Spiro Kids. Okay. NZ. What about your YouTube? I think that's just the same as well. Zero Kids NZ. Yeah. Zero Kids. I'm just having a quick search for but, it now. Uh, yeah, no, sort of this this year, as soon as we, uh, we we got a new motor for the boat, yeah. um, so we've set that up and uh, so we can go a little bit further afield and uh, with a bit more reliability. So, um We'll be really looking forward to some really good missions that we'll we'll put on. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So, what what's the next one? What's the um, next What's the next mission you guys got? Uh, Picton, probably. <coughs> like okay. Marlborough Sounds or something. Yeah, we're going up there because uh, about this time, 
that ride in, in this in Picton, the uh, there's been a, a few kingfish already seen. So um, it's uh, Max's turn to have a have a crack at something, right? Yeah. yeah. What's on your next hit list there, uh, Max? Ah, uh, kingfish probably. Oh, have you got a have you got a kingy yet? Ah, uh, no. Okay, cool. Well, that's a good goal. And what's uh, Ben? What's your PB weight wise? I think the Kimmy was fourteen, thirteen kg. Okay, yeah, nice. So you got room for an upgrade too. But uh, uh, yeah, it wasn't the heaviest kingfish, but it was. I was still pretty happy with it. It was. Well, hundred percent, you would. Yeah, my first one over here. In, in Australia and uh, Brisbane was uh, a, a 10, ki- 10 kg and play- it took me at least five minutes to get the thing up. Uh, it was probably the biggest fish I'd ever shot at the time and, uh, mate, uh, 13, 14 kilo fish, is a, it's a big fish. Yeah. They go off too, don't they? Yeah, they do. They, they take off and I got a bit of surprise from just shooting butterfish and going straight to a big kingy like that. Uh, just being pulled yeah. down a wee bit, I had to adjust my technique and stuff. It was makes it was you quite makes you grateful different. for having a float line and a float. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, nice. All right, boys. Well, I've got to head off and have dinner, but it's great to catch up with you guys. And um, I'll link up a bit of stuff in today's show notes so people can check out Spiro Kids NZ and uh, come check out your guys' YouTube as well. I'll link that up as well in the show notes. So. People can have a look. I can see on your Facebook page you guys have been to Timaru Marine recently, and uh, so it's good to hear. Uh, it's good yep, to hear you yep, guys. They did us a real good deal on the uh, the outboard, and as did uh, Yamaha. Um, they uh, came to the party with us and uh, gave us a really good deal on the, on the motor. So we'll, we'll be a bit of footage with uh, those names on the on the. Uh, the videos, yeah, cool. Your YouTube channel is still pretty hard to find, but I'll, I'll, I'll. It's Spiro Kids, one word, and then NZ. And uh, you guys have got plenty of good videos up there. There's the uh, Coral Sea 2022 trip. I'm guessing that's you, Don. And then there's Picton, New Zealand, with the kid, with the boys. Angry octopus. There's a blanket octopus with yeah. that footage you were talking about from earlier. So people yeah. can go and yeah. check that out. That'd be bloody awesome. But uh, it's good yeah, to get. Good it to wasn't t- my best day. It wasn't my best moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to touch base. It's good to touch base with you guys and um, and see what you're up yeah. to. So thanks for giving me a buzz. No, hopefully, and we'll uh, we'll still have to try and get over there and uh, get a um, a dive with you because uh, Max is is still pretty itching to uh, to get a dolphin fish or mahi mahi. I should have you guys over, and we should just—I'll invite you over, and we'll just take—I'll take you over to um, Stratty for the weekend, and uh, I'll bring my boys, and you guys can come too. It'd be—it'd be good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that'd be good. Oh, good. Well, I'm going to get yelled at soon for not going to have dinner. So, <laughs> awesome to catch up with well, you, fellas. Really? No, it's been bloody great talking to you. All right. Yep. See you, Max. See you, see Ben. You. See you later. See you, Don. All right. See you later, see you guys.
massive episode today, guys. The last episode of 2022. Thanks, Adam Stern, and thank you to the Spiro Kids NZ for jumping on board with me and helping wrap out 2022. It's been a big year. 36 episodes we've managed to release this year. That's not far off one every week. Um, I'm hoping to do one every week. Uh, let's make it happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash noobspiro. Jump on there. Join more than 50 people helping to power the Noob Spiro podcast on an episode-by-episode episode basis. Hey, next year we're starting off with an absolute blinder. You're joining me in three weeks' time, and we are going to catch up with the survivor of the Port Hedland bull shark attack. We're going to hear his story and some of the amazing insights he's had uh, as a father of three with a fourth one on the way and uh, it's going to be cool so look out 11th of January Robbie's episode drops and we get to talk all about his survival story guys massive 2022 thank you so much for listening to the podcast for leaving reviews for supporting it however you do so Uh, it's a massive community I'm super grateful for this job I'm looking forward to 2023 and a full another year of um of chatting with legends from all over the planet and just frothing on the spearfishing lifestyle. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Um, oh, and I, I'm, if you're listening after this episode, it probably doesn't mean much to you, but I'm really looking forward to next year. Let's do it. All good. Shrek over and out for 2022. Hey guys, not sure how you stay hydrated out on the boats on those long days out on the water, uh, but staying hydrated is absolutely critical to gourds. Good equalization and looking after your body, making sure you're not doing those awkward one-legged kicks to the surface when when one leg cramps out on you. Go to aqualite.com.au and get yourself a box of sachets. You just simply add them to water. It's less than $1.28 per serve. It's cheaper and cheaper and healthier than any other sports drinks on the market. Aqualite will make a difference in your spearfishing. Check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 10% on any order. Check it out. Aqualite, made in Western Australia. Killfish with precision and power, sending shafts from a stable platform with Kill Shot Spear Guns. Made in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin, you're buying American-made, dependable spear guns. Get $30 off any Kill Shot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Nuba. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. It says if they're in the shop or on the phone, they can cash in by saying, crikey, mate, or the Noob Spiro podcast sent me. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com, based in the Florida Keys. Today's episode was an absolute banger, and so is our major sponsor, Adreno. Visit them at adreno.com.au. They have a huge range of equipment. You can find it at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpear at checkout. When you shop online, you can save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can even use that code in-store at some of their huge mega stores Australia-wide. Price be guarantee on any Australian spearfishing equipment price. Again, visit them at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpear. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but oorah! When I say the words neptonics.com, I automatically want to say it. It is solid gear that works. It's the very best of spearing equipment and components from around the planet. Visit neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works. Visit neptonics.com. Use the code noob10 to save 10% off. Mm-hmm.